TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome to today's podcast where we just feel we are the shizzle because Kimmy is in Sydney and Cindy is in her office and I am in my office and we have connected via Skype and we think we're pretty awesome because the technology is all working. Ripper! <laughs> you realise that this is the very first Skype we have ever uh, Skype that, um podcast we've ever done yeah. like this. And we've done well over 100, haven't we? This is, we're in our second year. Yeah. So third year. We're in our third, third year. Third year, yeah. And this is the very first one we did. So wellness, guys, we are a little bit behind, but we're trying. <laughs> yeah, it takes us a while, but we do get there. Yeah, we do get there. But I think that I think the thing that's so cool and so um, relative about us actually doing the podcast today on Skype like this is because, you know, really it's all about being able to reinvent yourself. It's being all about being able to stay relevant and do something differently and push the boundaries. And for us, we've kind of pushed the boundaries in technology. Um, but I think there's some of the questions that have come through from our listeners is about, you know, how do we stay relevant? Like, how do you actually manage to do three? years worth of podcasts and not repeat the same thing apart from being female and us having lots to talk about how do you how do you actually do that and I we were just having a chat before we got on the show about what Cindy's about to tell us all about but it kind of really fits that question in terms of how do we remain relevant and I'm thinking about it now going you know what between the three of us we go all right when it comes to that because we're always reinventing ourselves and each year brings something new and it's it's always really exciting too because it's never it feels like for me it doesn't ever come from a place of obligation or I have to do it or if I don't do it I'm going to lose my business or you know there's none of that it just comes from our own evolution and our own next stepping isn't it uh, yeah, look, I agree with you. And Karen, look at what you're doing, you know, the Karen's couch and reinventing that all the time. And we were just discussing before when we were going to see her in her new office, but she has 36 recordings to do over the next two weeks. And so we kind of went, oh, maybe we will not see her for a while. <laughs> and like Kim, you know, Kim's, you know, got a family and your brother's just got engaged and you're in Sydney and you've had to run your office for the last six weeks from remote locations like Dubai and Sydney and Tart. Yeah, I know it sounds like she's got a tough life, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it has been really amazing actually, been able to, that's the beauty of technology and I think the great thing, I, I, met, I met with a lady the other day and she was interviewing me about business. And she just said to me, she listens to the podcast. In fact, it's through the podcast that she has been inspired to create her own podcast called The Wellness Entrepreneur. And she really wanted to know, and it was because of us three and coming to the summit and hearing us speak, that she's done this. And she just said she really cannot get over how much the three of us constantly come up with new material or new ways of delivering information or the fact that we are like three little girls sitting in a room having a ball but sharing life-changing information. She said it's an amazing um, recipe. And I, I I know that we have fun girls and I know that our listeners enjoy listening to us. I know we've had lots of feedback of people saying that they've they've moved into state. One lady said she was moving into state and left her mother behind in tears. And as she drove off and looked at her in the mirror, she just fell apart. And then Aww. she said the best thing I could do was turn on up for a chat. So for six hours she had the three of us in her car with her and she said it was hilarious she laughed she cried but you know I think that's the beauty of connectivity and really the relevance of what you're saying Karen is it doesn't matter where we are it doesn't matter what we're doing I think it's a major interest in life itself and in the topics that we all cover are very interrelated and 
I felt really proud of, of you guys and us and, and the show. And I'm starting to feel really aware of the impact conversations and, and podcasts like this are having. So mm. well done, darling. No, right back at you, girlfriends. Right back yeah. at you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and sorry. So go on. No, no, go. No, please don't. You go. Well, so I think um, it's a really good launching pad for. Uh, I, I guess talking about being a nutritionist and reinventing nutrition, even though it's the same thing over and over again, which is jerfing, just eat real food, as uh, beautiful Sean Croxton says. And I, I think, oh, yeah, I've been a nutritionist for 30 years, but I actually haven't been doing the same thing for 30 years. So, no. you know, I consulted for four years. I wrote a column for two years. I was nourishing my children for a couple of years. I wrote a book for a couple of years, you know, and, and I just think every time I, every year comes along, I go, oh, what can I do now? Thinking I've been a nutritionist for 30 years. That's all I, you know, that's who I am and what I do. But in oh. actual fact, I've been a nutritionist, but I haven't, you know, like I've done so many other things. And so this year, 2015, launches um, something that I've been thinking about for years, which is my education program. So it launches in um, on the 1st of February, 2015. But you know, like can, I, can I just can I can, can I just can I just say that's my birthday? Oh. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How old are you? Twenty-one. Uh, actually, yes, I I, I was going to go with thirty-eight, but twenty-one will do. <laughs> I've just somewhere around there. I've just decided I'm telling everybody that I'm thirty-eight for the rest of my life now. <laughs> I'm going to try and pull that off. I just yeah. It's like my walking partner, Ricky. <laughs> Yeah. Telling everybody that she's in her 40s. Laughing, Ricky, laughing, Ricky, can you hear me? (laughs) Well, talk about reinventing. Now that's what I'm talking about, reinventing. But I I think, I think, Cindy, one of the things that you are is, is while nutrition may underpin what you do, you're an innovator, like you're an inventor. You're the, you're the creative, um, you're the creative thought leader when it comes to not just nutrition, it's health and well-being. And that's such a huge message and such a huge topic. Therefore, there are just so many different avenues and ways to be able to penetrate and impact people. Um, and people are changing all the time as well. You know, we're going from being a very sedentary uh, and pedestrian way of consuming information to high technology ways of consuming information like we are changing and evolving and you're like right at the forefront of it inventing and creating every step of the way well i know with the education program it's just um it's phenomenal looking at it and going through it and it is it's it's all technology but it's all really simple and there's you know there's video and there's audio and there's readings and there's all sorts of things happening so you know like i started that two years ago but there was another thing that i started thinking about probably two years ago i wanted to do a documentary i thought it'd be really cool to do a documentary and i didn't know what i wanted to do it on i just thought oh i wanted to do a documentary (laughs) i knew it didn't have to be on food um and I don't know. It was just one of those little dreams that you have. And then last year, at the beginning of the year, we started, I, I, you know, I had Steve organised. I had, which is Dr. Steve Myers, who's head of education. I had him organised. Things were moving along really well. And I went, I could probably think about the documentary now. So I, I think it was about June, July, I, I wrote it down. So I'd been thinking about it. So it was like, um, what, what did you say, Kim, the other, when I said to you I was thinking about it? Oh, the intention. intention. Having an intention, yeah. So I had the intention to do it and I was thinking about it. And then um, I wrote it down. I wrote down what the documentary was going to be about, how it was going to be structured, who I wanted in it, uh, what they would talk about, the questions I would ask them. So I, I did it all. I, I did a whole profile on it. Then um, I went and found a documentary maker. <laughs> I just went and found somebody. Wow. Post that I was advised to go to because my brother couldn't do it because, you know, my brother has done Oh, yeah, of course. Which is um, what, what ate my mum and will it eat me. So he didn't have the time because he's got two little kids. He couldn't travel the world with me to do this. And we found this beautiful documentary um, maker, Justin. And then from Justin, we learned about a gentleman by the name of Michael Maiden who... Oh knows how to do launches for 
documentary. So it was almost like, okay, so I've got my documentary maker and I know how to launch it. So now I just have to get the people together. That's fantastic. About a week before Christmas, we decided to do a video. And the video was me explaining who I was briefly, my story, and the story of the documentary. And ending with, and that's why I want you in my documentary, is it's because of you that I learnt this information and that needs to get out to the public. So we sent it out Ah. on Christmas Eve. Now, you wouldn't normally send a business request out on Christmas Eve, but we just decided we'd send it out on Christmas Eve. So we sent it out um, on the 24th, and the first person to come back came back within 12 hours, and it was Dr. Terry Wall. Oh, wow. I got, yeah, Dr. Terry Wall, she was the first. And Dr. Terry Wall just said, this is brilliant, I'm in, would love to do it. And um, then I think within another 12 hours, we got Vandina Shiva. Now, Vandina Shiva is known as one of the most influential women in the world. She's not far behind Oprah. Yeah. So we got Vandina Shiva. And then uh, the next one, um, I'm trying to think who came in next, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride came within probably two days. So she'd obviously watched it over the Christmas and she came in and said that she would. Now we have only had one no, only one person said no, but everybody that we wanted has said yes. And, and it all fitted in really well. Dr. Vandita Shiva, who lives in India, is coming to Australia in March. Um, Dr. Tasha Campbell McBride, who lives in England, is coming to Australia in May. Um, we wanted Stephanie Seneff, uh, Sarah Ballantyne, um, who else was in that group? Oh, Dr. Terry Wall. We wanted, they were all speaking at one conference. Ah, right. So they're all at one conference. So, most of the people are coming to Australia, but this one conference is in Austin. But you're not going to believe this, is there was one other guy that I really wanted, and he's a professor, and I didn't know where he was. We just sent out information as to where he was. He's at Austin, in at the university in Austin. Yeah. And so every day I would walk in, and we would go, guess you just said yesterday. And we would just high-five it, and... And we're like going, it's just, it just all went into place. I thought it would take me years to do this. And I figured in six months, we will have um, it all finished and filmed and it'll be ready to go. How exciting. And are you going to share what it's about or what your intention behind it is? Yeah, look, um, what it's about is, is wheat. And why has it become a problem? And it, why has gluten become a problem? And why are dietitians so so against this whole group and not understanding it so yeah that's that's what it's basically it's, it's, it's going to be about wheat and gluten are we having fun there Kat? oh it's see here she's hilarious no I'm holding on to my microphone because a huge big Harley Davidson started up next door and has just ripped up the road and I thought no one's going to hear anything other than the Harley Davidson. So I was like, thing. Oh, you didn't. Oh, good. So hanging onto my microphone for all that I was worth worked. <laughs> Can I ask you, what's fascinating? I, I can't wait for a documentary like this. Oh, yeah. Because of you, I've actually written down my documentary. So I'm about to put it all out there about what I'm about to do. Um, so we, we, we need to talk off air, girlfriend, because listeners need to know that we haven't all seen each other for seven oh, weeks yeah and I caught up briefly with Cindy for a walk and a lunch in Sydney one day a couple of weeks ago but that's it but um anyway what I wanted to share with you is how important this knowledge is because I get and I'm sure all our listeners get this all the time too is a lot of the time we have we'll say we don't eat gluten or we've been down here with my brother and we've been making things like gluten-free scones and gluten-free pizza bases and all that and everyone, and sometimes they're a complete stuff up, and people are sitting there going as if they've got a big mouthful of peanut butter stuck <laughs> in their mouth. That's like glue. <laughs> and everyone's going, you know, what's so bad with gluten when it tastes so bloody good, you know, and it makes things rise and it feels so good. And, and then you get the comments from people, oh, it's not going to kill you. And, and but people don't realize what it's actually doing to us. And I personally cannot wait for this because, you know, I'm not necessarily. Um, 
educated or, or uh, you know, as knowledgeable on this topic as, as the likes of all these people you're talking about. And, and I remember James Colhoun saying it at Christmas time that people believe whatever they see on the TV, you know. Oh, so yeah. to actually see this coming out of a screen from the people that you've talked about on this podcast and so many times is so flippin' exciting. And I personally, for one, and I know Kaz and I, we've oh. all had conversations about this endless, haven't we, darlings? And oh. to know that this is coming. So I know brilliant. You'll know before anybody else, up for a chat. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We've got some inside information, which is very cool. It's very cool. But to think that you can create it in such a short space of time is mind-blowing because, let's face it, most people... And this is kind of like putting it out there to our listeners now. Like a lot of our listeners have got messages or they've got something that they personally do or something that really inspires them. But the thought of doing a documentary, is too, it's, it's mind-blowing because they, it feels like it's just too overwhelming and it's too big. But they see the value in them because they watch, you know, a lot of us watch documentaries. I watched a beautiful one on the consciousness of water the other day. Oh, stop. But there's such, there's such amazing information out there that comes in the form of a documentary. And when they're done well, like yours will be, um, it's, it's like so compelling and it's life changing. Like that's where the life changing stuff happens, you know? I, I think you that. You hear the information over and over, can't you? You can hear yeah. it. Yeah. Read it things. But to be able to go back and rewatch a video or take your own notes or, to hear someone say it, they might have been saying it that way for years and all of a sudden you get the aha because of all the other information you've been hearing, something clicks. Um, you know, and I cannot wait for this to go into, you know, athletics, schools, mm. um, places like Taylor's been down here in Sydney doing a dance um, intensive and, oh, my gosh, we have had the most extraordinary teachers here from all around the world. It was a co- it was a college here that has had, I think, 12 different principal dancers and, like, seriously, it's rubbing shoulders with the who's who of dance. And we went to a faculty meeting on Wednesday night where the mum parents were invited with their children to come along and every one of them told a story as to how they got there and why they got there and why they did what they did. And as an athlete myself or whether you're a nutritionist or a a, a, a television presenter or a, a radio host or whatever it is that we do or authors or speakers it was so inspiring to hear their stories and the knockbacks and the criticisms and the opportunity meeting luck to create an ability for something to happen one lady said she was a principal dancer with the Royal Ballet and she'd been trying desperately she actually failed one of her exams her high, she only she failed the exam Three weeks later, she got a sorry. Three months later, she passed it with distinction. Then she was told, as a joke, with one of her friends who was in this dance school, to come along and just stand in the wings. And she didn't even have shoes with her, but she thought, "Well, I'll be there and look really keen." The next minute, the head of choreography came out and said, "I hear you can dance. Put on these shoes. We need you on here. We've had an, one of the dancers isn't coming." Oh, and she stop it. Like, were half a size too small for her. But she danced this piece. She had half an hour to learn her piece. But she snapped into professionalism, thought, here's my chance, here's my opportunity. At the end of the show, the principal or the choreographer, head of dance, came up to her and said, we need you for the next three nights. And hello, there she was. She got an opportunity to be in this dance. The thing she'd been trying for, yet she'd got to fail, you know, three months before. So, so the thing I got from it that I just you, you just alluded to a little bit there like you were probably expecting rejection Cindy and you were probably not expecting it to come so quick and maybe what happened is you did something a bit different you sent it out on Christmas Eve when no one would send something out on Christmas Eve you put a video to it you you backed yourself you've written it down and, and I'm just taking notes in my own head for my own self that how much that intention and writing things down and then noticing the opportunity, perhaps sprinkle it with a little bit of luck, which I believe is our intention and the power of synergistic energies coming together. And voila, here you are. And I just, I just wanted you to know. Oh, the reason why I was going down that path is at the end of all these twelve people speaking, which was so. You three, honestly, the three of us would have had goose pimples. You would have been with me with goose. These are just so divine. And at the end, they opened it to the floor for any questions. Well, of course, yours truly puts her hand up and says. In ballet, 
we know that there's this unbelievable look that they've got to look thin and there's this, is it still the same thing these days knowing how many eating disorders are out there and what are your thoughts each of you around nutrition and what do you believe is good nutrition for a dancer and they all were nodding their heads and, and then one of the, the, the MC said oh what an amazing question well we ended up that was the only question taken from the floor that's how much of the conversation it became wow but what was interesting Cindy I still don't believe they understand what good nutrition is and that was just my own personal thing because they went on about the fact that we now have dietitians in every ballet company we have really good scientific background on what is good nutrition and and you know we make sure that if we if we see signs of any eating disorder we now so there was some progress I could feel but I was biting my lips and mouth not to say something because it's going to be documentaries like yours because oh, they still believe yeah. in the food pyramid and, and there's still a whole conversation around that which is a whole lot of carbohydrates which is not understanding what the gluten and the and the and the all, all the, the effects of what gluten's having on the system. So I personally, just hearing this from you as a mum of a dancer is so excited because Taylor's going to go, this is her dream. At the end of this year, she's going to be gone from me. <sighs> Breathe. And, um, and she'll be out there in the big wide world and a whole lot of people giving her information that's 99% against what her and I believe. So to have something powerful like this in her armour I think will stand here in really good stead. And it's good for us mummies and daddies out there knowing that our kids can have documentaries. It's not just us saying it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. and when you have experts as, as what I've got who in the story play a key role, so um, Raj Patel um, is the uh, all about the Green Revolution, which is the belief that it was a Green Revolution. And it wasn't. It was the exact opposite. So he, you know, he's in there, um, as is Vandina Shiva, what the Green Revolution did to India and the fertility of India and the health of India. Hang on, what's, um, what's the Green Revolution? Forgive my ignorance. I probably should know that, but I don't. No, well, you will know by the documentary. Oh, right you are. Right you are. Of course. How silly of me. The documentary will talk He's about Green Revolution. I think so. So the Green Revolution was not the Red Revolution or the White Revolution, no, because they already that's 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 how the name came. It wasn't because it was green; it was just the white and the red had already been, and so they called it the Green Revolution. But then everybody sees it's green as natural, no insecticides, none of that. No, it had more chemicals. This Green Revolution was about planting foods in countries where people were starving and yes it did start it did help a starving country but what are the long-term ramifications uh. and that's what it, the issue is, is is the long-term ramifications so um yeah like that's that that's a key they're key players in that and then there are the key players on what does gluten now what is gluten the new gluten the hybridized gluten the you know what's that doing to the gut so it's about talking about uh, Norman Borlaug and things like that. But also, how do you cook without wheat? Because everybody has that question. So I have Chef Pete Evans. Oh, awesome. Yes. <laughs> oh, can I be the you when you're filming? <laughs> oh. So we'll be, we'll be filming him too because it's about, well, you're telling me I'm not allowed to have wheat, then how do I, how do I cook, you know? So, yeah, so that's amazing. And we've got Joel Stalin as well, who's a farmer and a very, a very, a, a, you know, he's a really well-known farmer. So it's, it, we've got specialists that are looking at the nitty-gritty and then we've got these people that know about farming and then we know about history. And so it's, it's, a, it's a story that's told and these are the specialists and then people can make up their own mind. I'm not going to give them the answer. I'm just going to say this is what we know. You make up your own mind whether you choose to continue to eat Triticum estivum, which is the new breed of wheat. Do you know what I love about that, Cindy, is that you're covering the whole gamut there. There's nothing that you're leaving out in the story line of wheat and how it's come to be the way that it is right now because a lot of people only have snapshots of information or education about it. They don't have the full picture, which then makes it very, very difficult for anybody to, one, um, be informed and make informed decisions for themselves personally, but then there's also a whole lot of misinformation out there that's just being perpetuated from one person to the next, and social media does a beautiful job of that. I've seen heaps of stuff. Um, yeah. Well, listen, listen to this. This, um, this came through so, um, 
somebody um, saw this in a forum and said she's so sick of dietitians um, bagging nutritionists and naturopaths that she decided to send it to me and I decided to do something about it. But let me, let me just read to you. So um, there's a bit of science snobbery, I believe, amongst the dietitians realm. One young dietitian in a forum called me another semi-educated zealot. Um, she went. Yep. She went on to say, "Who has the gift of the gab and a book for sale, and that it is a pers- it is her personal opinion, mostly lacking on evident in evidence base." And this was about gluten. Oh my god! My thing on gluten, and I just went, "What an idiot! This person has no idea who you are." But it's not just that. It's just she. she you're right. She doesn't. She did not research me well. No. Herself, a scientist and a researcher, and the other thing I found out about this woman is oh, that's that just she embarrassing. is a minister. So she's being quite rude, and she's meant to be a minister. Like, where's her values there? So I actually decided to research her because before I go back, I want to know what are these people are, who they are. I thought, oh, maybe she's some researcher and she knows something that I don't know. You know? Yeah. Well, she graduated in 2012 from dietetics. She did a bachelor of science. A Bachelor of Science, same as me, but she did the 12 months clinical nutrition in dietetics, which I didn't do. I did two years of human anatomy and another year of um, evolution and anthropology. So, you know, she's obviously more qualified (laughs) on the whole thing than me. And she's had two years of experience, and I've been going on this for 30 years. And I kind of went, oh, bless. Another semi educated zealot comes from a child and she's a child with no clue. I mean, you know. Fine guys, though, that this is the sad thing about, I guess it happens in wow. athletics, it happens in, you only have to look, I was down on, we were at Bondi Beach, Miss Cindy, and we were watching those boys all flexing their muscles, and I think some of them decided they were going to do more pull-ups than the other, so there was this flexing of meat-headedness around that. It <laughs> seems to occur in academics. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's who's got the better this or the better that, and there's always this kind of hierarchy around what it means to have more knowledge. Why can't we embrace each other's differences in knowledge and actually have? I mean, I don't hear you knock people's um, information, like Cindy. Sometimes you might, but you'll research it before you ever go that I don't agree with or I don't like it. But very rarely have I even ever heard you say that. You'll always say that's interesting. Well, Karen, you always turn around and say to me, oh my God, you're not going to believe how this person interprets this. It's not, oh my God, what an idiot. And I really value the way you both honour, and, and we all do, honour people's information. And I don't see the point of knocking it. Why? What do you think then is the intention behind knocking someone? Is it to make, is she afraid of someone like you knocking dietetics? Is that what it is? Well, I, I don't know exactly what their prob- the, what the whole issue is here, um, and it, it's probably their values. It is their, and their education and what they're institutionalised to learn, which is clinical nutrition, which which goes on to feeding you know um, peg feeds with. Um, medical feeds, not necessarily food, but medical feeds. And yes, they have their place in the world. I, I, I understand they do have their place in the world. But they're trying to make everything so clinical. Like um, in the same forum, they were, no, in a different forum actually, they were saying that I give dangerous information. And I went, real food, dangerous information. Yeah, I get that one. But I, I just, yeah, it really doesn't make any sense. I give dangerous information. And this is a group that's been set up and it's called, I think it's called Banned or Banned by Pete Evans. So anybody that Pete's just deleted and banned, yes, there's a group that goes in there and apparently they're saying that I give dangerous information on, on that page. And I, look, I don't know if they see Pete as a threat. I don't know if they don't like the success of someone who's been in the field for 30 years you know, overnight success that I would be. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about that, like what is it that inspires a person or I wouldn't say inspires, but what is it that drives a person moreover to to actually make their life or make their communication about belittling others as opposed to making it about their own specific message? You know, a, a, a group of people who are called banned by Peter Evans, 
Wow. I mean, really, they need to. It's actually quite fun. They need to build a bridge and get over it. You know, like good grief, Pete's over them. They need to get over Pete. You know, it's kind of. It just. It, it, yeah, he's a belief in that. Yeah, well, but I mean, so what's the big deal about that? I mean, it's interesting that they that that would drive people to make it their life's work to belittle or to pick holes or find fault or to, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, make- You only have to look at the vaccination debate to see that at its absolute worst as far mm, as, true. You, know, you know, people. I think that's the extreme topic of all topics mm. that watches human behaviour and ego and fear and everything come at once. Mm. Um, but I just wanted to ask you... Just, just going on that vaccination, before you ask that question, sorry, Kim, I hope you've got that written down so you don't forget it, but the vaccination thing, <laughs> have you seen what's happening in the vaccination thing at the moment? No, no, what's Australia? Yeah, yeah. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who's really amazing with understanding the whole um, vaccination issue, has been invited to speak at about, I don't know, is it 15 um, venues in Australia? Number one, I've heard, I don't know if this is true yet, but I've heard that the Australian government are not going to give her a visa because the Friends of Science have signed a petition that she should not be allowed into the country. Yeah. And and then if they have told every venue what she'll be talking about, even though it's not called on vaccination, it's actually called on how to bring up a healthy child. Um, so even though they've told all the all of the um, each of the venues, and each of the venues has, I don't know if all of them, but some of the venues have said we're not going to have it. Yeah. And not only that, I happened to turn on the news that morning to watch it um, and, uh, you know, watch the breakfast show. And I, the thing that, I'm thing that really upsets me that the presenters are not knowledgeable on this. They're just, they're, they're mums, they're, they're interested obviously, and they're passionate about the health and well-being of their children as, as we all are. But what upsets me is here they are, people on there that are knocking the vaccinations and the whole thing, uh, sorry, the, the the pro-choice people, knocking this 10-penny lady, but there was no one on there to say, well, hang on a minute. What Let's, don't we know? Yeah, what don't we know here? Mm. How else can we look at this information? They had no one. Everybody was agreeing with everybody. No one had this questioning that us and Up for Chatters and the Wellness Couch listeners would actually be just questioning, that's all. And there was nothing about the ingredients. There was nothing about the, the administration of the vaccine. But what they the adverse side effects, you know, they're all in the literature, you know. Nothing. And, and you know what else was interesting is this morning I, I was listening to like Channel, I think it was Channel 9 or Channel 10. Look, it could have even been the ABC. And there was this conversation with a well-known doctor and the, and the doctor was saying that, you know, of course, vaccinations have improved our health and we know that and how could you not vaccinate and blah, blah, blah. Then in the next breath, yes, of course, you shouldn't be expecting antibiotics. We've really made a mistake with antibiotics. They've been a real problem. We've now been getting away too many and now we're seeing the results of antibiotic resistant. This was like in one breath. Oh, vaccinations are perfect. They're fabulous. So he's saying we don't make a mistake. But then in the next breath, oh, we've made a mistake. We really have to watch our antibiotics. And I'm like, I'm listening to this conversation thinking, am I the only idiot around here that's <laughs> oh, hearing this? I happened that morning on that show. That, so this big expert in vaccinations comes on and he goes, you know, vaccinations are the only way to go. It's how we say they did the polio thing. They did the whole thing. And then he turns around and he goes, you know, we've got science behind it. There's lucrative test amounts of money goes into testing and everything. And he goes, you know, things like I mean, when we when we when we found like things like the flu vaccine, when we had a few errors in there and we fixed it and stuff like that, but it was fixed straight away. And my brother's sitting there and he goes, so they do make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. He said the same thing in one breath. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You know, you've got to shake. We're all three of us. I'm sitting here looking at all of us on Skype, and all three of us are just shaking our heads. You know, and and what's wrong with questioning? And what's wrong with? And and I find the whole irony of it is that you know those um, that paper in France, that paper in France had um, people killed for for what they were saying. I didn't see what they were talking about or anything like that, but. Obviously, someone didn't like what they said, and they thought they'd shoot them. Mm. 
And here we are in Australia going, what do you want freedom of speech? I, I looked at the Sunshine Coast Daily and on the front page says, we will not be silenced. And then on the next breath, we're not giving visas to a, a doctor who doesn't kill anybody, just talks about the research that's happening, you know, with, with again, uh, well, for and against vaccination. It's not even like she's just one-sided. She's going, this is what we now know. These are the facts that we now know. So here's an interesting here's an interesting way to think about it, or or something I've been thinking about of late, is that we're we humans as a society are not prepared to not know. Our ego and our personality is just not wired to not know. And if we don't know something, we then go in for fero- into ferocious pursuit in order to know. Yeah. But we're not prepared to be in a position of not knowing. So. You know, even if we even if we take on somebody else's opinion or we take on somebody else's belief, unresearched and uneducated, we would still rather do that than say, "I'm one of the people who don't know, and I'm really comfortable with not knowing because from the place of not knowing, I can learn." Yeah. But because you know, from an egotistic, from an ego mind point of view, um, we're not wired to not know. So. We would rather we, we would rather sacrifice the learning for saying that we know. Mm, mm. Tragic. It's tragic, and you see it, and you see it everywhere in the media, and just on the vaccination issue. You know, and obviously, I don't have kids, so it doesn't have a, a direct effect to me. But I remember watching somebody on one of the um, news programs, and she came on and was talking about vaccinations. And obviously, yes, she had children. And, you know, as you say, Kimmy is obviously very passionate about the health and well-being of her children. But even just some of the comments that I noticed that she made were not comments with any kind of evidence behind them. They weren't any kind of comments that showed that she had researched or was educated on it one way or the other. And I just I thought to myself, wow, you know, it's, it's pretty brave to go on national television and take a stance one way without actually acknowledging that there is also another way and acknowledging that there is, you know, information on both sides and, you know, being a part of that, being educated in it, having researched, you know. I, 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 I think one thing that I do, because, because we've got Cindy Karen who talks so passionately and scientifically and knowledgeably on, is that a word? Um, it is on so, <laughs> on so many things around nutrition and even and even things beyond nutrition. Yeah, yeah, it's health genius. Um, but the word is biased. Um, um, your, your 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 dietitian friend there on Facebook might think otherwise. Um, but one thing that has that I found is when people ask even me for information that Cindy might have taught me or has talked about, and I I will endeavour to repeat it or. What I will always say, and this might help some of our listeners, is, look, I'm not the nutritionist, but I follow Cindy O'Meara, who I totally believe in and love the way she researches, and I really endorse and value her opinion. And this is my interpretation of her science and her evidence. And I might not have it completely right, so go and look her up here, but this is my feeling. And you know what? From a mum's point of view and from an athlete point of view, this is what I believe and intuitively feels right for me. And I can't give you the science on that. It just sits so right with me and that's how I feel. Mm. And I just feel that lets me off the hook, having to have that, that scientific piece of research paper or whatever it is that they're looking for from me. But I'm happy to point you in the right direction. Mm. And, you know, um, I, I actually wrote my January newsletter and um, I was I was basically saying, why can't we all get on? Why mm. can't we work together, get, leave our egos behind, work together with the knowledge we've got? Because, like, the world is getting so complicated. We have so many people with food sensitivities, so many kids that are so sick, adults that are sick. Um, people go on a real food diet and get food sensitivities to the real food. Mm. Mothers, babies who cannot longer feed their mother, their babies because they're, mil- they're allergic to the milk. So, you know, 
this is what's happening in our world at the moment. And I don't have all the answers. There's just no way I can have all the answers because we are all individuals. And what we have to do is become empowered by not creating our own knowledge bank so that we can do trial and error. Because if you go to one person and do one modality, like um, I think it was on Channel 9, um, Dr. Dwyer was on, Dr. and it's not Wayne, um, it's another guy, I can't remember, his, but anyway, he's the head of um, the Skeptics, he's the head of um, Friends of Science, he's also got a very, very prestigious um, position um, at the School of Medicine at New South Wales University, and he came on and he just belittled every alternative healthcare, from homeopathy to yoga to naturopathy to um, you name it, he herbalism, even herbs, herbs are, you know, herbs are how drugs are found. He belittled everything and said there's no science and there should be no government funding to the education nor the subsidy for people to use these, these modalities. And I just, I just watched the television going, are you serious? You think that you have the answer? Medicine has the answer to everything? No. Would I do without medicine? Definitely not. They've got a, an amazing place. Their emergency care is amazing. The way they put people together, they, when people don't look after themselves, they know what to do. I don't, you know, I have no idea what to do. But what I do know how to do is I know how to do nutrition. And I do know, Karen, what you know how to do is that you know how to work the mind so that people understand the mind. And I know what you do, Kim. You know, Kim, you are an expert in families and rituals and and oils and smells and exercise. Like, I would go to you. And then if I needed to go to a chiropractor, I would go, you know, to a chiropr- somebody who's got who's, who's good at chiropractic or, you know, like, and also it's like horses for courses. It's, it's, we should leave our egos behind, mm. believing we are the one pill wonder and work together as professionals for the betterment of the individual, if they choose, like I look at the beautiful Jess Ainscoe, she has chosen the natural way mm-hmm. and now she has to try another way, which she's told you know her people that, sh- that she's going to try another way. And what's beautiful is that the person, the medical um, fraternity that she is working with embraces what she has done, thanks her for what she has done and it has not said, oh, you idiot, you should have been to us late, you know, long before, which a lot of um, that profession do. But Jess has been able to go to this person and this person says, I want you to continue what you're doing with diet and I want you to continue what you're doing with your body therapy and, and your mind therapy and, and all of this. I want you to continue all of this so that this can all work together and we can work together. And, and that's what makes me really angry is that, when I see somebody like this, this man on Channel 9, this well-known doctor and has a prestigious position, just poo-pooing what's, what is part of wellness, and that's mind, body, spirit, physical, chemical, emotional, the whole bit is, is all required. I think, I think it's... Think too, sorry. sorry, Karen. No, Kimmy, you go. I just think the body is so complex... We are such individuals. Nobody knows everything there is to know. Then throw in the whole rabbit hole of the mind and where we go and what we think and how we act on what we think and what we know and what we don't know. Then how on earth can we ever expect something to work for everybody? That's why um, herbal therapy is so appealing to some people. That's why people would rather go to physio than an osteo or that's why we have chiropractic and we have um aromatherapy you know like it's all there for us to maybe even take pieces of each of those philosophies to find the one that works for us and our body and if it doesn't work like just what you said then for jess you keep searching to find something else but to make someone wrong for those choices did i hear right guys on the news that Father has been uh-huh. in for for giving cannabis oil to his daughter. He's not allowed to see his daughter again. Can you imagine what that's doing psychologically, emotionally, and mentally to the pair of them? How is that helping their health? 
I just said there's a naivety and a just a you know like a, just a a real conviction in one way that exists amongst humans that is so short-sighted and so naive and comes at such a massive price you know I it, it blows me away the more I see it and the more I, I, I watch it the more I the more I actually can't stand to watch it you know when I hear about that stuff on the news I think to myself for goodness sake really we're just it, it just gets worse. The picture just gets worse when really the picture should be getting better considering the groundswell of people who are now starting to open their eyes and the groundswell of people that are starting to eat differently or explore different things. There's a huge transition that's taken place, but obviously just, you know, not enough yet. Yeah. Anyway. You know, Cindy, I just think you're absolutely right, Karen, because I think what Cindy's now doing and probably – you know, if, if, if I can bring it back to your, your whole documentary and where this, this podcast started, um, I think what I'm loving about the, the process in which you're doing this documentary is a process we could take in life. Totally. I've, I've written down what you have done in order to create this DVD, sorry, this documentary. And I just had, I just had a little quiet chuckle to myself moment <laughs> because when I said DVD a documentary, a lady asked me yesterday um, in that interview how I met you, Cindy, and I said I bought your cassette. Oh, <laughs> bless! Back on on your website, and she said facts and cassette. That's just hilarious. So I just had a little moment there. Um, <laughs> But here you are creating this documentary that will be easily downloaded and, and watched all around the world. Um, would you like me to go through the steps that I found, girls, and then maybe you can contribute because a lot of our listeners like to know how we do things. Can I can I regurgitate what I've learned from you in this session? <laughs> Let's do it. Go for it. Okay. Well, number one, the one I took down, which I think is very much um, where Karen has taught me the power, and that's thinking. You know, think and have an intention about the thoughts. So whatever it is, whether you are someone who's flirting with the idea of becoming, uh, creating your own podcast or you're wanting to start a new business or a documentary, you've got to have the thought, the dream, the intention, the the whole thought in the first place. Every single thought that's out there. When I look at companies like Microsoft or Apple, that started with a thought. It didn't come from anywhere other than a thought. So number one for me was thought. Can I can I add on that? What comes before the thought is actually inspiration. And I think you know we get the inspiration to do something and then the brain goes to work to create the logic and the planning and you know the brain's work the, the brain's job is that to work out how to make this inspiration come to life and that's really key i think to longevity and to reinventing yourself and to be able to constantly move with the punches and to you know to move in and out and up and down and around about like it's so key because you're responding to what inspires you which and the word inspiration comes from the, um, the shortened or shortened word in spirit so it's whatever inspires you from a spirit point of view, do that. Don't do it out of obligation. Don't try and do something because you're competing with somebody else. Don't try and do something because you think it'll make you money. Don't try and do something because it's come from a strategy. Do it because it's come from inspiration and then allow a strategy to fall out of the bottom of the inspiration rather than looking for inspiration in a strategy. Does that make sense? Totally. I love it. Yeah, because one, one you can do for the rest of your life. You know, you can constantly be getting inspired for the rest of your life and then working out how to bring things to life. But if you try and, you know, if you try and constantly compete or do it for money or do it for this or do it for that, it, it gets boring and you can't sustain it. So one's, one's well, kind of got that passion in behind it. That's just my thought, my little five cents in there. Well, there's no way Cindy would be doing this DVD if she wasn't passionate about it. No, I know, and that's what makes it so powerful. (laughs) (laughs) And you you know, the inspiration came when I um, did the HCG, the four-phase fat elimination protocol. Oh. And then I went from there to, well, what's wrong with wheat? Why why am I inflamed with wheat? Why does wheat cause my back to hurt? Why... Does wheat cause me to put on weight? Well, 
I was weak was my uh, throat to be tight and so on and so on. And then, and I just started to research and then, you know, William Davis's book came out, Wheat Valley. And then from there, Pearl Matter. And then I learned about Vandina Shiva and the Green Revolution and wheat and Norman Borloff. And, and it was like, it, it was like, it was my little discovery. And what I'm basically doing in this documentary is my discovery. These are the people that have taught me and inspired me um, to get this message out there, despite the dietitians believing that it's a whole bunch of um, BS. Um, but they'll learn. They'll learn. You know, there's that, that and you, one of you might remember that quote, you know, when a, a new idea comes, it's usually poo-pooed or whatever it is, and then people start to consider it and then it's seen as truth. So... There's too many people talking about it. So inspiration came from my own journey, but from the people that I learned from on that journey, which was then the thought of, well, this knowledge needs to get out. Mm. So what's next, Kimmy? So, okay, so we're going to go number one now. Inspire, inspire, passion. Number two then is intentions. Uh, You know, think now the intention starts to come about with thought around that, doesn't it? Number three, I think you made a really good point, Cindy. Write it down. I, the one thing I've learned from you is the power of, it seems so simple, but that writing it down and as long and as short or as broad or even, you know, I used to think business plans were like 10-page documents. I've realized that I can write a business plan on one page. So um, I don't think it has to be um, too in-depth, but write down your vision. Have you got any thoughts on that, Kaz? I agree wholeheartedly. I think when you get it out of your mind, two things take place is it becomes something that is real to you and you get clarity on it. Because while it's coursing around in our mind, it's just a whole bunch of thoughts. We don't often have that clarity. But when you write it down and you see it there in front of you, it becomes really, really clear. And um, having it out of your head gives you the brain space you need to create the next step, which is really where you get the next piece of inspiration and you know like I just love how you were saying Cindy how it's this person and that person that's led you and you've learned from them and I thought I'm sitting here thinking to myself wow you know like if ever universal business and innate intelligence was working through a body it's working through yours to lead you from one breadcrumb to the next breadcrumb to the next breadcrumb and the magical part about it is is you actually see that and a lot of people don't see the breadcrumbs along the way. They just see the challenges or the difficulties or whatever. But you actually see the breadcrumbs and you pick them up and you follow them, knowing that that's how you get places. And I think I think it's just I think it's awesome. So you know you kind of just sort of you let inspiration work through you. And 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 the amazing thing was that when I did write it down, I was doubting it before I wrote it down. Yeah, right. Like. Because Howard was pushing for this documentary, you know. He was the one who's going, come on, Cindy, do this documentary. Um, and, I'm, and I'm like going, oh, it's too hard. I'm not sure. And, he, and then we finally sat down one day and he said, write it down. Write down the story. Write everything down. So I sat down and it just poured out. A whole story just poured out. Then it was... Who knows the knowledge in this story? Oh, well, Joel Stalin was the farmer and Pete Evans had a cook without it and, um, you know, Brian Davies, he, like he was the only one who said no, but there's lots of other people that, you know, can can give me that information. And then the Green Revolution, you know, like so it was this – and then I have this chart of all the people I wanted and and the, the 12 questions that I'd asked because I wrote down all the questions that I would ask them and I wrote down – who would answer the question the best? And I put stars on them that they would answer questions one, five, and six from their knowledge. They're the, the, and some of them, the questions were only answered by two people because I knew that they were the only ones who knew about the Green Revolution or they were the only ones who knew about what gluten was doing to the epithelial lining on the gastrointestinal tract or they were the only ones that knew that the next two would be the only ones that really knew um, what Norman Borloff did. You know, it was just... It, it, and then that's when I got excited, by the way. Not before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you can Not see it. It becomes something doable. And until yeah. you, until it becomes something that you can chew, something you can actually do. Up until that point, it, you're still not, you know, like you're still not sure. You're still doubting it. You're still questioning it. But when you see it there and you think, this is actually quite simple. I can do this. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. That's what, the, that's the magical part about writing it down. Yeah. 
that, that leads into the number four, which was the, you started doing it, the nitty gritty, the how, what, who, when. And I think, so your first thought is to write down the dream, the overview. And then I think number four for me was you start getting into the nitty gritty. You really start thinking about the how, the what, the who, the when, the questions or however it is it's going to look. So, yeah. so that led into that. So who is the who are the key roles in it? So who's going to do the filming because it, it's a documentary, or who's you need to market it because it's all very well and good to write a book, but if you don't market it, then it's it's never going to get out there. So we want people to know about this. So then you have to know that you can sell it. Mm. It's just not going to be something that sits on a shelf and you you spent money on. Mm. Um, and that's the next thing is is the finance is that. You know, how are you going to finance this? Yeah, number five I wrote down here, now you've got to really start information gathering and determining finances and all of that sort of thing. So that's definitely part of this. I, I called it research and information gathering because now you've got to work out the how, really how is it going to happen. So, like the strategy of it almost, like the step-by-step yeah. rollout. And that, and that happened in the beginning was, okay, where do these people live? So we figured one was in England, one was in the U.S., oh, you know, quite a few were in the U.S., one lived in India, um, a couple lived in Australia, and, and then that was the next thing is where do they all live? And then it was, hang on, these guys gather at gatherings. So it was what seminars in 2015? So this isn't something we did overnight. This has taken us 12 months to gather all this information in order to say, we are ready. We know where these people are now. We know what it's going to cost us. But what's ended up happening, instead of me having to go to the UK and India with a film crew, with audio, with me and all that, we're coming to me in this year of 2015, except that group that's in Austin, Texas. So I go to two places, Australia and Austin, Texas. Done. How amazing. On the road, Kev, I heard we go so um so just make sure that's in the itinerary which is step number my <laughs> friends yeah, yeah. Add friends um, <laughs> but that's what number six, number um number six is for me which was you know creating the timeline now because it's all very good to have this and writing it all down and and even having the strategy in place but now you've actually got it once you get to that level i reckon it's time to timeline it like what you've done you've started working out where you'll be on what dates and you even said at the beginning of the podcast, this will be out by June, July. Although you probably haven't really thought about... No, the, the filming will be finished June. Okay. We will finish all filming by June. And then and it goes into edits and I've stuff. i talk to Justin about editing because we haven't even got to that because this has all happened in two weeks. All that 12 months of prep has just pulled everything together in two weeks. Oh, that's amazing, as it does. You wouldn't matter what you were doing. And like even Karen with your programs that you launch and all your couches... These steps are so appropriate for every single project we embrace, aren't they? Agreed. And I, I think with Kimmy going through the steps, it simplifies it, simplifies it and makes it seem doable. Mm-hmm. Well, the you next know? step then is to take bloody action. I, I did write bloody. Bloody. Take bloody action. <laughs> I'm getting eaten Kimmy's, a lot. Kimmy's being eaten. I'm, I'm watching her. <laughs> <laughs> She's herself. <laughs> oh, I didn't put my oils on. I've been for a run. I'm all sweaty now. They're all just coming in. But I got him. Look, I got him. Oh, she's got one. Very Buddhist, that, is it? That's not a very Buddhist philosophy. Anyway, so number seven is take action. Now, you know, once you've timelined it, now you really do have to start putting it into place. Um, And I think that's the fun part, too, when you start really putting things into practice. Um, the The next two steps to me was really, you touched on a little bit already, but with package and then so number eight is package it so you've got to really start thinking about how you're going to package whatever project it is or how you're going to deliver this information how you're going to get it out there and the marketing strategy of it which i think is the the final stage nine deliver and market so how are you going to get it out there and then my final step is number 10 and that's celebrate oh my mm, god yeah absolutely so forget to celebrate what we've just achieved because I think what happens out of doing any project or any program or any book or anything, by the time you actually get to this this stage of delivering it, you're already inspired to do your next project or the next thing that's happening. And this is me saying it to myself. I often forget to celebrate what I've just done. And it's not until someone says to me, have you written a book? And I go, yeah, I've written six books. They go, oh, my God, you've written six books? 
And then I go, oh, yeah. And then I think, oh, yeah, I should actually sell it. Some people haven't even written one. So, I sh- you know, we must celebrate. So I'm just going to go and get some verb and put it on ice. <laughs> so that's my little two cents worth, darling. Beautiful, beautiful. You sum it up so well. You know, sometimes, um, you know, you, you forget how it's done and then you just kind of go through the steps and then you just summed it up absolutely beautifully. And that's what, in a, in a way, this is what manifesting is about. It's, you know, the clarity. First of all, the inspiration and thinking about it, making it clarity, writing it down, do the action steps, have gratitude. Like every morning I'm, mm. I'm so grateful for these people saying yes. I'm like going, really? They said yes? <laughs> Really? Like a little kid. You look like a little kid. Like a kid. You know, Ruth and I just, I, I swear, we do high fives every morning. I said, Who's, who said yes now, you know? So, oh. and, and you know what's so beautiful with the two of you that, you you know, that you don't even realize that people say the same thing when they get a reply from you or a mm. a, 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 a chance to, and the, the beautiful woman that interviewed me yesterday with her new show, she said, I, can't, I, I actually can't believe you're sitting in front of me that I actually got you. And I'm thinking, oh, well, I was in Sydney, you know, it was too easy. So to you both, I think, you know, you are the inspiration for many of us. And I so love, I can't, can't wait to see what you're creating, Kaz, next week. I just, mm-hmm. oh. what you're doing. To shoot 36 videos in a week. I mean, you're flipping a power horse. I just want our listeners to know that she did write a note that she said she wasn't going to be a workaholic this year and then she tried to renege on the deal and say she didn't actually say it like that. She just got it written here that she said she was not going to be a workaholic this year and I'd say she's broken the rules and we ain't even through January yet. We're not even halfway through. Oh, yes, we are now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16th just. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I meant the second half of the year. That's really what I meant. <laughs> Can I get away with that? We should talk our next podcast. We should talk about your new office, Karen. Oh, bless your little cotton yeah, socks! Yeah, what you've done to get your new office, and how long it took, and and what it looked like, and what it looks like now. I think we oh. should. We well, next <laughs> podcast we should talk about the new office and and the steps that you did to get there because I know that that's been a journey. Oh, to yeah. get you out of that house so you won't work at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to instill cameras because I reckon the tart will get a laptop out and she'll do something and then go to the office. Well, if you actually need to know, I did buy myself a little laptop. Um. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a tart. Oh, that's so funny. I didn't think anyone would ever pick up on that. (laughs) Talk about busted. How funny. All right, well, that sounds like a fun podcast. I look forward to doing that. And I'll take some, I've got some before photos and um, I'm still doing the setup on the office. So I'll take some after photos once it all looks nice and we can post those on the website. Sounds good. Perfect. Well, I don't know about you two, but I think after not seeing each other for seven weeks, OMG, this podcast has been absolutely brilliant. But I feel, I don't know about our listeners and I don't know about you crazy cats, but I feel unbelievably inspired. I feel like it's been such a, um, it's been a powerhouse of a podcast because, you know, and, and I, and I don't mean to, um, I don't mean to like blow sunshine and rainbows your way, Cindy, but I always think of you as somebody who is an incredible powerhouse, even as you flash your leg on. Could you see me do that, Karen? I can see both of you. You just can't see me. That's hilarious. I was just saying to Kim, look around, because I didn't think you could see me, so I thought, well, you're talking, I can tell her to look around. Yeah, I know. Tell her to look around, because her daughter's ballet leg is going up and down in the window. Oh, how funny. So all I see is your naked leg, because I didn't know what you were saying together. That's hilarious. Oh, Cindy, you're so funny. How hilarious. Anyway, no, 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 not at all. It's just typical. It's just typical of the magic. It's typical of the magic. Upper chat podcast. That's what it's typical of. Let it be known. Let it be known. We have a powerhouse in our presence who's creating an amazing documentary that is going to literally rewrite history, and I can feel it in my bones. 
so excited. Thank you for being you. You absolutely brilliant, amazing, wonderful, stunning, incredible, knowledgeable powerhouse of a of a tart. Love it. It's a tart. I'm love it. You're Bear Grylls. Thank you for this being Bear Grylls. Thanks for being Bear Grylls. You know what? I'm just going to start calling you Bear. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you Bear. <laughs> so to post your comments on today's face on today's podcast, go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. You can also post your comments on thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And let us know what you want to do or how you can get your unique message out into the ears of people who need to hear it. And it may be 10 million like Cindy or it may be 10 or it may just be one. Let us know about how today's podcast can kind of really elevate you and be a platform that you can springboard from for 2015 to start to make a bigger difference in your own life and the lives of others with what, you know, what you love and what inspires you. So hopefully today's podcast has been a bit of a bit of a helping hand on that. So join us here next week on Up For A Chat. And when you go to iTunes and you search for us, make sure you give us a five-star bloody rating is all I'm saying about that. Tell everybody that you love Up For A Chat. And we're going to see you here, same time, same station on Up For A Chat, where you get to be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we just absolutely totes amazeballs love having you on the ride. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.